Welcome to the Joplin and Andrea podcast, where we discuss all things faith, family, and fun. I'm Joplin, here with my wife and co-host, Andrea. Welcome to today's show. We're excited to be back with you. It's been a little while, but we are super pumped about our new format. And um, we are going to be coming to you now once a month, the last Friday of every single month. And so we're really excited for this opportunity. All right. What do we have in store for our listeners today? Okay, today we've got a fun show. We're going to be talking about Andrea's uh, venture into public speaking. Mm. And uh, if you're looking for a public speaker, you might uh, get our contact info before we're all said and done. Andrea is taking appointments. We can talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. We're talking about our oldest daughter, Michaela, moving out of the house. Mm, She did. And a bathroom project that is uh, wrapping up here at the Emberson house. Only took us nine months to knock out. Yeah. We're going to deal with some weird news. And then I'm going to take a question from a middle school student. Absolutely one of the best Bible questions I've had in a long time. Excited about that. We're going to finish talking about, uh, we just got back from Honduras with our backpack trip. We've got three kids we want to give you an update on, uh, all uh, special needs of some sort, and uh, let you all know what we're doing to meet those needs and how some of you have helped uh, make that possible. So, yeah, good show today. Let's get started right at it. We're going to talk about... uh, our first topic is Andrea and public speaking. So Andrea was invited to uh, give a like devotion, maybe. a devotion of some sort. It actually wasn't really specific. So yeah, that which is even harder for a public speaker when you're not told what specifically they want. You just go and you show up, and it was at a women's event on Tuesday uh, earlier this week. Yeah. So first of all, tell us a little bit about it. How was your experience public speaking? Well, it turns out that Andrea still is not a very good public speaker. Um, it was a little rough. I had wrote all these notes down on paper, and I'm telling you what, the paper looked really good. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't there, so I can't. I you know all I'm I'm hearing about this. T- the paper as you looked guys are really good, and so it had a rough start. Um, I don't tend to do super great when I have to follow paper, but if you want to just have a conversation with me and I tell you about the topic. Um, I could probably talk all day long. And so I started off with some notes and it was a little rough and I had to kind of quickly just back out of those notes and reference the bottom five bullet points that I gave myself. There you go. And then it was like more freely, smoothly flowing, but. I'll bet um, it was great. It was, it was a little rough. Yeah. Well, you know what? Sometimes when you're just getting started, it's always a little rough. I'll bet. Well, it's been this rough now for most of my life. (laughs) Well, so I'm the public speaker in the family. You are. And I just need to learn that um, I shouldn't make notes like that. I should just Just wing it. I should probably just wing it. So if guys, seriously, if you're looking for a public speaker to just wing it. Yes. On the fly. Give give me a a shout. Give Andrea a call. She's uh, taking uh, bookings now. I'll take bookings. Just let me know what the topic is in advance. I'll make sure I have those five bullet points and we'll be smooth sailing. All right. So no (laughs) bullet points here. We're going to just wing this one. Our oldest daughter just moved out. Oh, she did. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about the the range of emotions. Uh, I actually want to leave you all with some serious uh, good tips. But uh, on the front end, we're just going to talk about what it was like. Um, My first question on Michaela moving out, how do you think this has impacted her? Um, 
I think it's impacted her in a couple different ways. She is our one that doesn't actually mind just like a very peaceful, quiet house. Um, and so she ended up, she's moved out with a roommate and we really like her roommate. She's super nice and they get along great. Um, and her so, name's Brooklyn. Shout out to Brooklyn. Yeah, shout You're out amazing. to Brooklyn. Um, and so I really think that her and Brooklyn are enjoying their time where, you know, they have their own place and it's quiet and they don't have the chaos of our schedule that's constantly um, happening here. But I think that she also has some moments where she really misses us. Oh, yeah. Like so. more moments than not. She definitely has to yeah. miss us all the time. Yeah. So. I think she's uh, I think she's really seriously surprised at how expensive it is to live. I do, too. Yeah. She thought it was going to be easier than it is. And now she's having to figure out, you know. Yeah. In the first couple months are the worst. Does she buy food or does she get her nails done? And um, I think she goes with getting nails done and figures out, you know. She can come here and eat. You can come here, Michaela. If you're listening to this, you and Brooklyn can come here and eat. Anytime, anytime. (laughs) So how's this impacted us? Um, This has impacted us in a big way. Um, I miss her. Mm -hmm. Uh I miss her. Uh, She was gone a lot working, so she wasn't really here a whole lot of the time anyway. But the time that she was here... um, love to catch up and visit and everything else so now i just have to call her or text her and um catch up so what about with you i'm doing a lot better with it now but mm-hmm. it really was hard at first and there were two times that i i cried pretty yes, pretty bad did. i was trying to be tough and i didn't want to be all emotional about it but um christmas was very emotional for me because it was like the last time that our whole family was going to be in the house together for christmas not that she don't come back for Christmas, but there's just certain traditions that we've yep. had and I uh, wasn't real sure what those would look like going forward. And mm-hmm. I, I got emotional and cried before Christmas. And then the day that she was moving out was a Saturday and we were at a basketball game for our youngest son and uh, one of the other moms, a uh, long lifetime friend of ours whose son is on the same team. She asked me afterwards, like how I was doing with Michaela moving out and I just broke down crying. I he couldn't just stop. Lost it, folks. We're like we're in the middle of a gym with a bunch of people, and there's like I mean it's it's crazy because it's the time when half the teams are leaving and half the teams are coming in, and and I just was shocked. Like I didn't see it coming. I wasn't feeling super emotional. She just asked how I was doing with it, and when I tried to speak, I couldn't speak. So it was tough for me. Yes. It was tough for me, but I'm proud of her. She's a good kid. Yeah, she is. We're very proud of her. And yeah, it's it's, it's uh, impacted us that way. So I here, I want to talk about a couple of things seriously before we move on from this. Because this is a, an interesting stage in marriage. It's an interesting stage in life and it's an interesting stage of parenting when things are changing. Yeah. And, you know, these are things we prepare our children for. We hope to prepare them for. But when that day actually comes... It is difficult to be prepared for it as a parent. And um, let me just say that it's moments like these that make me want to stress the importance of working on your marriage and not allowing the marriage to become about the children because Mm -hmm. the children will not always be here. And there will come a time when when they're not here and it's just husband and wife left in the home mm-hmm. and it's so important that we as husband and wife build that you know where our relationship is is first and foremost and we live with the reality that we have each other um 
But when it's all said and done, even our children are going to grow up and move off and it's just going to be us. And so um, we've we've done well through this. Uh, sometimes these types of things can be very difficult on a marriage. They haven't been on us. But um, that's because of a lot of work that went into it on the front end. And so I want to encourage husband and wives out there. You guys remember to focus on your marriage and don't ever allow your children, your career or anything else to take precedent over sowing into your husband or your wife and building a marriage that lasts. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. You got any tips? Anything else you want to say before we move on? No, I was just going to say, <clears throat> excuse me, that was that was great, uh, great tips. And um, I was just going to encourage our listeners that if your spouse does get upset and emotional, just, you know, just be there for them. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was it was actually really sweet because we do love her so much. And it was it was sweet that he cried. Oh, but my. He doesn't hardly ever cry. So I just couldn't help. But mm-hmm. are we done? We're done. We're done. OK. So we just talked about some things that are good on the marriage there. Let's talk about some things that are not such as a husband's. Don't start a bathroom remodel and then let it sit for seven months like I just did. Because we just finished up a bathroom remodel that took us nine months to get done. It looks so great, though. I'm I'm going to suggest that Joplin puts a picture up here for you guys to see. Hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, guys, nine months, it's worth a picture. So it looks really good. It was a long project coming, but... Yeah, sometimes that's hard on the marriage. Yes, yeah. And I'm I'm still at the age where I just don't like paying for stuff to be done that I can do myself. And so I'm like, well, I could save some money if I do it. And then it takes me nine months and I look back on it and like, I eh, maybe should have paid someone to do it in two weeks. But we, we live in a fairly older home. Um, our house is about as old as I am. I think it was built in 79, which is when I was born, so 42 years old. And there's just a lot of things we've needed to repair, not just remodel, but repair, which is what happened with our bathroom. Uh, short story, we had no option but to tear out the shower and open up the walls and get to plumbing that had begun to leak. And so I thought, well, if we're going to do this, Let's remodel this like we want it. Let's make it bigger. Let's move the hey, water around. go big around. or go home, Go folks. big or go home. And so I got real adventurous one day, and I tore it all out. Yes. And then it was just like, well, I'm not quite ready to finish this up. So it was just torn out it was for so about great. seven months, yeah. just torn out. Yeah, there was like plywood. It was half plywood, half carpet. Yeah. Yeah. I had some plywood over holes in the floor so you didn't fall through the floor when you needed to go use the bathroom. This is true. You could see right into the basement storage room. It was great. And um, Andrea was a trooper, folks. The uh, cabinets were also torn out. So there was like no place to put any of our medicines or towels or, you know, anything Toothbrushes that normally or anything. would go in cabinets. And so yeah. that also became like part of our bedroom. Yes. For seven months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it was so fun. It was, it was fun. So true, true tip here. This is also a place where uh, it's good to have sewn into your marriage beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, during those weeks, you so know, the- try to take your wife out to eat or something and just keep so then at night when you're like looking for the toothpaste in the bedroom on the dresser 
it's it's fun. You it's know? fun. Yeah. But it's we like a find here, and seek. So we're here today. That's how you normally do testimonies. You talk about them on the back end after you've come out on the other side. Yeah. Or here we are today this out on the good. other side, new bathroom. Things are fantastic. Yeah. So if any of you are in the middle of a project right now and you need some tips, give us a shout. Um, or, you know, if you are thinking about starting something and you're just not quite sure, you can also give us a shout. All right. So speaking of tips. Tips. These are some things um, not to do if you don't want your name in the headlines yeah okay we've got some we do, weird we some pretty big headlines here news for today andrea what's our first headline weird news we just had valentine's it's actually around valentine's so just uh, came out of valentine's last week or two weeks ago what tell us this news story andrea all right um weird news number one is for valentine's day the bronx zoo lets you name a roach after your sweetheart the Bronx Zoo is offering an unusual way to show your undefying love. It's naming a roach program. And for just $15, you can name a Madagascar hissing roach after your special someone. Wow. A hissing I'm in the cockroach. wrong business, I think. So here's the thing. I mean, 15 bucks ain't going to get you but a flower or two that are going to die. Imagine having a hissing cockroach named after you for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I wonder how they what identify which love. one is what name. Which cockroach is Andrea? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If I named a cockroach after you, would you want it just Andrea, Andrea Lee? We wouldn't call Miss Andrea. How um, how would you want it named? Because I'm actually thinking I'm thinking about seeing about it? if they have any leftovers that didn't get named. Huh. That they would let us. But what would you want your cockroach named? I think I would want it to be like a more fun, like like Handy Andy. Mm, no, no, that one's not fun. It's not fun. No. Well, give us a fun name. I don't know a fun name. I would have to really think about it. Hmm. You're supposed to name it after your um you know your special someone yeah so it would like need to be a name Fine, let's go with andrea i guess andrea andrea the cockroach okay i was thinking we could name it like sparkles or something you i'm know, not like something sure I'm, i would like creative. to know because the article never did say i would like to know how many people actually did it how many people participated and of those people how many of them are still together a week later <laughs> okay next thing number all right here's the next uh headline the case of the vanishing cabin. A Michigan man tells police his entire cabin was stolen. So that's the headline. Here's the uh, opening. Uh, here's one of the statements from the article. It's kind of a weird situation, Trooper Matthew Scott says, who is investigating the case. At this point, the cabin is definitely not where it's supposed to be. There are different motives. But that's a detail we're trying to uncover. Yeah. So this guy has like a 30 foot long by uh, 12 foot wide cabin. It's not yeah. a huge cabin, but it's it's Big a enough. large cabin. It's not like it was on wheels where you could just pull up and drive it off. It was actually um, like permanently located somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, the not guy anymore. actually lived in it for a while. And eventually got a larger home, but kept his cabin, kept his cabin on his land and went back just to check it out and stay there for a weekend or something and the cabin was gone it vanished. just vanished nobody knows where That's this cabin right. is yeah so if you guys see a cabin floating around 
you might let us know. Yeah, let us know, especially in Michigan. Well, it could have traveled further than Michigan. It could have. You never know. Yeah. So if you see one anywhere, just uh, yeah. Especially if it's just like floating around, definitely like, hey, that that looks odd. There. Yeah. Might be this man's cabin. Yeah. Okay. Here's the next piece of news. I'll do this one, and Andrew, you can do our final piece of weird news here. A Canadian man attempts a half marathon wearing 90 t-shirts and the the picture of this guy is hilarious he look he reminds me of ralphie in a christmas story where he's got too many coats on and he can't move his arms that's what this guy looks like with 90 t-shirts on marathon for a half marathon here's why here's what the article says a runner in alberta canada attempted a half marathon to break a Guinness World Record by taking on the 13.1 mile course while wearing 90 t-shirts. People will do anything to get a world record. They I will. mean, that, that's, that's like, uh, some of the world records are just nuts. They are nuts. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to run a half marathon wearing 90 t-shirts. Uh-huh, like, I'm going to get the news article, so. It, it, it's just kind of funny, and he did look funny in the pictures running it. I don't even know if he finished it. I don't know either, but he sure they've got, got some attention. Up, they have to come up with better rules on what, like, I wonder if anybody's ever ran 6.2 miles with seven hats. You know, it's just stupid. <laughs> You've got, it has to be something that is like worth being a record over. Yeah, like running a marathon while juggling. That those. would be different. Yeah. Like, like while juggling double-edged swords. Oh, I was thinking ever balls, dropping but one. if you were thinking swords. Yeah, yeah that's worth. I'm not going to try that, but. A record. Mm-hmm. But whoever did do that, if they succeeded without dying, they deserve to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah, and I'm thinking probably they could just do like a mile. Yes, I agree. But 90 t-shirts. Really not that impressive. It's just kind of silly. He did make the world news, though. Okay, Andrea, what is our last piece of weird news? All right, our last piece of headline news actually comes live from the Well Worship Center, and that is there was a slumber party that took place in the subway of the Houston airport on our way home from uh, San Pedro. Our last mission home from Honduras for the San Pedro's airport in Honduras. Yes. Uh, coming home from Honduras with our last mission team. Yeah, so we got we had a all boarded on this airplane in San Pedro to fly back to the United States, folks. We sat on the airplane for three hours in no air conditioning because the air conditioner in the back half was broke. I should back this story up. Joplin actually sat up front in the air conditioning. It was just the back half of the plane that wasn't working, and so us passengers in the back sat back there in the heat and they decided after three long hours that they were not going to fix it so we all got to get off and so we thought we were just going to be stuck in honduras i felt bad for you peasants in the back uh-huh yeah i, bet I really you did. did i wasn't first you class sad folks. When we all got I, I, off. I wasn't in the first class section but i was in the front like row number 10 uh-huh. and they were way back in the peasant section at like row 30 and the back half of the plane the air conditioning had had broke on it yeah the sad thing is is that we could have actually flew all the way to houston within that time but instead we sat on the runway and um got off the plane thankfully though about two hours later another Mm -hmm. plane came in with passengers and we were able to take that plane to houston um but unfortunately we arrived in houston at like 
12:30 p.m. or 12:30 a.m. and missed our flight, missed our everything, and so by the time uh, we were able to get everything transferred, it was literally like four hours. We would have been in a hotel. So, well, th- yeah, that's true. But even the hotel, because this was a group, yeah, and united booked one hotel room for our whole group because we were on one reservation and our group had 20 people yeah and so the hotel was on line with the united lady that was trying to figure out where to put us and they had nowhere to put us and we were like look we are tired we are exhausted our people were getting delusional uh one of our uh team members it was like rolling around in the handicapped wheelchair and doing wheelies in it. And some of the girls were laughing. I mean, they were getting delusional. Some of them were just straight sleeping on the floor while some we were, were checking asleep. in. So. And yeah, we finally said to the United people like, hey, can we just go downstairs and sleep? And we took, I didn't even know there was a subway at that. I didn't either. I'd never been to it at the, yeah. at the Houston airport. Yeah, there's a subway. Short story, we took all of our luggage down. I mean, all the luggage checked luggage that had to get checked the next day like 30 checked bags the heavy ones down two flights of escalators uh it was wild at 2 a.m in the morning and we all just slept like you know a little slumber party and it turns out that the subway starts running at 4 a.m uh-huh and so little did we know by the time we got it all down there within like an hour and a half the subway started running and people were walking around. So it was quite the headline for us. It was. And it was uh, something we'll never forget. We did have a few people that were not feeling well. and uh, But everybody was incredible. Great oh, they troopers. were. They were great. It was a good team to they work were super with. great. If any of our team members are listening, shout out to all of you for uh, not making that situation terrible. Because it right. could have been terrible. But uh, I'll say shout out to the United employees, too, because they were super nice. They felt awful oh, that yeah. there was one hotel room and it wasn't going to work. and We were going to have to stay there. And they brought us this big bag of blankets and this big bag of snacks and water bottles. And they were really good to work with, given the situation. So, yeah. all right, let's move on to a new stage here in the podcast. I am going to take a question today from... Um, really i would say one of our listeners but this question i'm about to read to you is one of my all-time favorites ever submitted the reason is it's a deep question and it came from a middle school student so here we go i like that if satan and the angels had a free will and turned away from god and considering that when god created man in a perfect state adam and eve had a free will and turned away from god doesn't that mean that in heaven there must be free will and if so how is it possible neither people in heaven nor angels will ever exercise free will in the wrong way and turn against god at some point in eternity it's good awesome question Mm -hmm. and i love it that we've got middle school students that are thinking uh, deep theological questions and that are not afraid to ask. And so here we go. Yeah. Let's get into it. First of all, yes, there will be free will in heaven. Um, there's no reason to believe there won't be. But here are several reasons why there won't be rebellion against God. First of all, number one, it's not impossible to make the right choice. In other words, just because there's free will does not mean somebody will, in fact, sin and 
I want to point to Hebrews 4.15, which says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. First point I want to make here is that Jesus, who took on full humanity, he lived in a fallen world with temptation and did in fact live sinlessly for that entire 33-year period, though he was tempted. So the point I'm making is that it is possible to be, uh, you know, to be tempted and choose not to sin. Next, 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what, will we, what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, that's Jesus, listen to this, folks, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. So Jesus is now glorified. And the Bible teaches us, number one, that we, when we get to heaven, we will have a glorified body, a new nature, and that we will be like Jesus. So if Jesus was possible, if it was possible for Jesus as a man in a fallen world to not sin and constantly, if you will, make the right choice, how much more is it possible in heaven where there is no sin, no temptation, none of that, to, with free will, walk by faith, perfect faith towards God? Number two, the real reason that people sin is ignorance. That is the root of all sin. Adam and Eve, when they made the decision to sin, it was ignorance. They believed a lie. Had they never believed the lie, they would not have sinned against God. Satan, when he rebelled against God, it was ignorance. His belief and lack of faith in God's goodness, his belief that things would be better if he was the primary object of worship, all of those things were not true. And believing a lie, he made an ignorant decision to sin against God. In heaven, we will know truth. We will know all things. We will have this, if you will, divine wisdom. We will be like Christ. And so that very important piece that's necessary for us to sin in a perfect state, um, without a sin nature, that necessary piece of being ignorant will not exist in heaven. We will know right from wrong. We will know what is true. There will be no lying, and so therefore no deceit. Number three, there will not even be temptation in heaven. So while we do not understand all things, we cannot know all things, we are limited to the eternal truth that God has chosen to give us. We know that there is a difference between the new heaven and the new earth and the current state that we live in. So the reason that's important is the question assumes that because earth was made a certain way, that heaven will be the same way. That because 
you know, heaven was a certain way when Satan fell and turned from God, that the heaven we're going to is not going to be different at all. The Bible teaches us that God is bringing a new heaven and a new earth. And one of the things that will be very different about the new heaven, the new earth, this place that the saved are going to, is there will be no temptation there. Obviously, if there's no temptation, there's not even any temptation to sin. So we will not, as the redeemed of God, we will not sin because there won't be temptation to sin. There won't be the ignorance that's necessary to even buy into the temptation to sin. And number three, we're going to be made like Jesus with glorified bodies. You might say glorified minds. We will think perfectly, love perfectly, be perfectly. And so, no, while yes, there's free will, no, there will never be rebellion against God in heaven. So one final question might be, but what about the angels who, you know, did have the ability to rebel at least at one point in time? Here's what I want to say to this, um, as well as really the whole kind of question. There are two things we must start with, always. Number one, we must start with Jesus has proven himself to be the Son of God. I'll explain why that matters in a minute, but you have to start with that. Jesus has demonstrated he is the Son of God. He lived a sinless life, demonstrated his power over earth, walking on water, turning water to wine, demonstrated his power over death, raising people from the dead and coming out of the grave himself, demonstrated his power over disease, healing the sick, demonstrated his power over the demonic, delivering uh, people from demon spirits. He demonstrated that he is different than every single other supposed spiritual leader in the history of mankind. He was who he said he was, the son of God. Now, here's why that matters, because what he says is true. Whether I understand it all or not, what I know for a fact is that he is the son of God. I know that he died. I know that that's a provable fact that Jesus was crucified and physically died. I know that he rose from the dead. That's a provable fact that Jesus rose from the dead. I know that his disciples witnessed it. That is a provable fact that it would happen by eyewitnesses. I know these things to be a fact. And so I have to start there. And if Jesus says some things I don't fully understand or I can't explain, it doesn't matter because what I do have is the complete solid truth that this guy is the son of God. So I don't have to fully understand how it's going to happen. I just know that if he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And so that matters. And Jesus has told us that there is no, you know, that, that heaven is forever, that there's a final judgment. There's not a second one that comes later. There's not some turning away of, of people in heaven. And number two, nowhere else in the Bible does it ever teach that that could happen. Instead, the Bible teaches the exact opposite, that heaven is an eternal place, and that when you're there, you're there forever, and it never mentions any type of turning there. And so the second thing we have to settle is that the Bible has proven itself to be true over and over and over and over again. Any true student of the scriptures knows that it is the single book of history that is clearly divine. 
with hundreds of prophecies fulfilled in just Jesus Christ alone, let alone Old Testament prophecies about destructions of kings and cities and, uh, and nations. What God has spoken to pass always comes to pass. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible teaches us, you know, when, when we ask the question of why, I gave some legitimate reasons why there won't be a rebellion in heaven. At the end of the day, the most significant of all reasons that gives us absolute confidence is that the Bible teaches there won't be, and so did the Lord Jesus Christ. Fantastic question. Yeah. I mean, awesome, awesome, awesome. I love hearing young people thinking these deep questions. And as always, folks, if you have questions that you want answered on air, we love to tackle your questions. Uh, So you can ask me anything. You can get us your questions at joplinandandrea.com and just use the contact us section to let us know what you want me to answer at an upcoming podcast. That's right. Yeah, we like those questions. All right, well, moving on. Um, we have several Honduras updates for you that we are super pumped to share. And uh, this we'll start off first with Alejandrina. Um, she was a young girl that we shared her story. Um, it was almost exactly a year ago that we shared her story. Um, it was a backpack season. Was it? I believe so. Um, I think it was two years she, ago. She was completely um, just, we found her by doing a home visit of another student, and she was completely just ridden with sickness. Eating up with parasites um, that had been in her body for about five years. She was near the point of death. Yes. we When we met her, our son Malachi at the time was eight, and he stood next to her, and she is 12, and she is so much tinier than her, just looked very sick. And um, we were able to get her into Honduras in this um, clinic to help repair some of these sicknesses and in a home to help her get back stable and uh she was there this last time that we went back in her home and she looks so healthy so much better yes she had to stay in this facility for a while she was able to come home around january was out of the home for i believe over a year yeah and basically similar to what would the american foster care system would be but the intent was always to get her back home. Uh, they just needed to make sure that she got the right medications and regular treatment at the doctor. Um, they, they said had she, she gone about another six months, she probably would not have made it. Mm-hmm. Um, they said she'll never develop like fully as a woman, be able to have kids and that type of stuff. But she is out of pain. Yes. She looks so much healthier. Her She's back home. Her looks great. And we were able to go um, visit her while we were there this uh, couple weeks ago. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yes. So awesome. Do you want to share the next one? Or you yeah. So um, Osbaldo is a little guy out in the uh, one of the villages that we work in in Honduras that I came across last year in the summer and um, short story on him that this guy is uh, is very special needs he's nonverbal and has never been able to walk and they believe he has cerebral palsy but we are uh, waiting and working to get an actual um, diagnosis from a doctor they believe that's what he has and wow this family had absolutely nothing to take care of this boy he was six years old um, when we ran into him in the summer of 2021 and was living most of his life like sit inside of a blue booster chair that you would you know pick up at a restaurant to set your toddler in so that they're high enough to the table they can eat and that, bo- that booster chair was zip-tied to a larger chair so that it wouldn't fall off. 
they just had nothing. And um, wow, this year we were able to take them a medical grade wheelchair. The mom can push him around, get him out, uh, take him for a walk, easily maneuver him, you know, around the house because he's six, seven years old now, and he's, you know, um, he's not super heavy, but he's also not a baby. He's very hard to manhandle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, we were able to deliver that to the the family, and uh, we're looking at doing some things like pouring a sidewalk for him so that there's a smooth area for them to wheel that wheelchair around on, and. Very excited about what's happening there with Osbaldo, and a big shout out to everybody that's been praying for that family. Yeah, and um, those that have helped make make it all possible to um, get him the wheelchair and continue to do the things we're going to be doing to uh, help as much as possible uh, make the life of their family a little easier as they continue their life raising a special needs child. Yes, in the mountains of Honduras. That story has an even bigger story that will be shared at some point but the wheelchair actually came from a family at our church that had lost their little boy that had a rare disease Um, and it was incredible because the husband and wife went with us and they were actually able to deliver that wheelchair with us and it was yeah it was cool it was one of the neatest things it was awesome it really was We, we were able to have a documentary crew follow us around this last time we were in honduras and so some of the stories we're telling you right now including the one we're about to share it's all documented, um, and it might be a couple months before they're done with the film. But uh, we're very excited about that, yes. and we'll make sure we let you guys know when that film is out so you can take a look at uh, some of the awesome things we're doing in Honduras. Yeah, and the last story that we we're going to share with you um, is this last time that we went to Honduras a few weeks ago, um, one of the little girls in our program had came up and her arm was actually broken right at the elbow and it had been broken probably a month and a half prior four months four months prior Mm -hmm. um and it she never got taken to the doctor and had it fixed properly and so it was offset and it had started to heal back and she was in a lot of pain she couldn't actually raise her arm up very far at all she couldn't bend it at the elbow so it'd be like having an arm without an elbow Mm -hmm. just a straight arm and so she couldn't do anything with her arm and the difficult thing about this situation was that this little girl lives with her grandma and grandpa and so the little girl is expected to help the grandma and grandpa because they just are older they can't take care of themselves so with this arm she's still been shucking corn and out in the field helping and you know running into town after groceries and endless things to help um this grandpa the grandparents survive and so we were just brokenhearted when we saw this little girl and it was neat her sponsor also was able to be there this trip and we were talking about it one evening around the dinner table uh, with our team and the restaurant owner had overheard um, us talking about the little girl and um, what we had you know encountered that day and she speaks english well and she pulled us aside afterwards and she shared with um joplin that there was actually an american bone specialist doctor that was going to be staying at the hotel the very same hotel we were in the next day and she said you have to meet him and so we were able to actually meet this doctor and his wife um while we were there in honduras and he was very moved by the story he wanted to see the little girl and so it was just really neat how God worked that whole thing out. And we weren't even back in the United States one full week and the little girl had already had surgery and he was able to repair her broken arm and he yeah. was able to fix it. And so it was really cool. We have a picture of her after she had surgery and um, it was neat. It was really neat. You know, we take things for granted here. When my son gets hurt, I can take him to the doctor. If I don't feel good, I can go to the doctor. And just to think that that little girl might have had to live 
that way and that things would still be expected of her because they just don't have another option. And so I praise God for that. It, yes. was, it was very neat. So she's healing up. She is. She's got a cast on now, and uh, she's healing up. She's happy. Yeah. She knows her arm's going to work yeah. again, and life's going to be okay. So the work continues in Honduras. We are continuing uh, just to to grow and do what we can there, uh, reach as many people as we can, help as many people as we can. We have uh, hired an employee now that works for the Extra Mile Missions Organization to help us uh, with our day-to-day yes. and week-to-week needs while we're not there in the country and we're not there on mission teams um, to help them kind of take care of some of these things that need done in the village from week to week. Um, yeah, we're very excited about that. We've very got uh, middle school and high school students now. We're trying to figure out what do we do with them. We, you know, when we very first started this program, our goal was to get second graders through sixth grade, which is a huge accomplishment. And for a lot of these students, that's where they'll stop. Um, it's not uncommon. Uh, it's kind of the equivalent to 12th grade here in America. But we've got a handful of them that don't want to stop there at sixth grade. It was awesome. We actually took 20. We, we had 22 students that have made it into middle school and a couple that have made it into high school. And we took them to lunch while we were there. And it was just the most had incredible thing to honor those and see what a difference us being able to be out there in the community and sponsor has did to push school. And yeah. It was really neat. So we're trying to figure it out. We're not exactly sure what, you know, how do we um, sponsor kids through? How, you know, do we do scholarships? Um, it, it's it's a lot more complicated. There, there is not a high school there. Um, there is a middle school through ninth grade and then high schools 10 through 12. And um, some of our kids have to walk an hour and a half one direction no joke, like up a fierce mountain and then going home, it's down the mountain. But an hour and a half, one direction to get to the middle school. So we've got a bunch of kids that are in sixth, you know, if they, when they graduate sixth grade, if they want to go seventh, eighth, and ninth, they're going to have to walk an hour and a half every day to get to school and an hour and a half back home. Mm-hmm. And then and then even the students that live close by, there's nothing after ninth grade. And so we're at a new stage in our program where a lot of these kids that we started with four years ago are now aging into middle school, high school. They're still in yeah. school. The program has been so incredibly successful. Um, and now we're trying to figure out, you know, how do we get these kids to high school? Um, do we run a bus route? How, what do we do? How does that look like? So encourage you guys to be praying for us. That God gives us wisdom and direction and, and how to continue to help these students as they grow up and um, hopefully continue school and pursue their dreams. Yeah. And um, and lastly, we're really pumped. Uh, we've already been in Honduras two weeks this summer, or two, two weeks in 2022, but we're going to be there a total of five this year. And um, we have a team that's going with us from North Carolina in June, which mm-hmm. we are very excited to be taking some new faces over there from a different um, church that we're affiliated with. And um, then we are taking two back-to-back teams at the end of July, and we actually have opened those trips up this week. So we're extremely excited to be able to go over and minister more and work more in the community and the village there. And if you ever got questions about joining us, our trips are open to anybody. Um, We're willing to hosting trips as well. It was what we're doing for the North Carolina group. We're actually hosting a youth group that wants to take a mission trip. And so if your your team, your church, your youth group. You, uh, you, yeah. you know, maybe uh, you got, maybe you got doctors or um, dentists or, you know, nurses or dental assistants that 
would be interested in helping us. We do a lot of that type of work during the summer. There's always a need for help. We would love to uh, have you join us uh, at the work that we do in Honduras. Yes, we would. And we also have a special program for juniors and seniors in high school that um, our Extra Mile Missions offers um, trying to give those students opportunity to go for half price. We really believe in trying to get people over um, across seas at least one time to do mission work. It is so life-changing. There's not a day here in the U.S. that I don't think about something that I am just so grateful for or something that, you know, I just connect to missions and how, you know, maybe I've made a difference or how I can help. And so it is life-changing to just go and be a part of. So we, we really encourage you to go somewhere once last statistic i'll throw at you and then um we're gonna let you go for the week uh we'll be back with you at the end of march the last friday of march so here's that statistic i want to throw at you throw at you we have nearly an 80 percent return rate of people that travel with us to honduras i want you to let that sink in because that's a big number like this year we're bringing nearly 125 people with us into honduras and um, one of those groups is uh, like a whole new group. But if we weren't taking that new group and we were taking our normal trips, nearly 80% of the people are people that are returning. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's one thing if you got 10 people and eight of them are returning, but when you have 180 of them are returns, that tells you something about the impact of the, the trip. Most people don't go thinking they're going to go back again. It's like a one-time-in-a-life deal. You know, I want to experience it. I want to go. And about 8 out of 10 people before they ever get back to America are already wanting to know when's the next trip and how can I come. It is that impactful. And I just cannot encourage you enough, if you've never been, uh, to pray about joining us on yeah. one of our mission trips. We love it. So all of this stuff, folks, uh, it, it requires support. It requires people that are willing to get in and help. It requires dentists. It requires doctors. It requires uh, donors. It, requ- it just requires help. Part of the reason Andrea and I do this podcast is to encourage folks to give you some good family-friendly content to listen to and encourage you. Uh, but it's also to advance the kingdom work that God's called us to do uh, here in America and across the globe. And so we we just plead with you, as the Lord leads you to, if you've ever considered supporting our work, would you be willing to go to JoplinAndrea.com, take a look at our Extra Mile Missions work, and um, give whatever God leads you to give. I think that's all we have. All right. Guys, hope you have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next month. You do. Have a great month.